Hello, this is Pastor Jim Cleveland. Thank you for tuning in to Mule Mountain Messages, uplifting biblical sermons from the Community Church of Warren in historic Bisbee, Arizona. Our services are Sunday mornings at 1030, and if you're looking for a church home, we want to invite you to come and join our family. For more information, call 520-432-4722. Today, we're continuing our study in the book of Genesis. Now may God speak to you through His Word this day, and may we as the body of Christ go forth in compassionate boldness to proclaim the hope and truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost, confused, and hopeless world. Well, good morning. There was this, uh, this Jesuit missionary, and uh, Johannes Hofinger, and he was a um, missionary to China. And he was intrigued by the Chinese habit of giving nicknames to people. And so the superior, I guess the boss of the mission there, was a very dour Austrian, you know, uh, with a sour face. And so he asked one of the Chinese attendees there, he says, uh, what's the nickname they give to the superior? And uh, the Chinese told him that his name was Walking Purgatory. <laughs> and so he said, please, dear friends, do not be walking purgatories when you evangelize. Okay, that's, that's a good, uh, good advice. We, we don't want to uh, turn people away by our countenance, right? And then there was a little nice old lady that was mailing the old family Bible to... Uh, to her brother in another part of the country and the, the po- guy at the post office asked her, is there anything breakable in here? And she said, well, only the Ten Commandments. So, <laughs> so when we uh, left off from our intrepid family, right, Isaac and Rebecca and uh, Jacob and Esau, uh, they were... Um, on what I like to call the crazy cycle. The whole family had just had gotten so self-looking, inward-focused that it was just, it was a real mess. And if you remember that uh, uh, Isaac had said, hey, I'm going to bless Esau, go get me some uh, wild game, and, and Rebecca heard it, so her and Jacob had devised this uh, deception to physically deceive Isaac, and, and they had just got on this crazy cycle. And uh, if we looked at if if just one of them, if just one of them had stepped off this crazy cycle, that things would have worked out differently. But they were all focused on themselves and not on God, and that's what happens in this crazy cycle. And and you know, I, I had to I was think about this morning. I, it seems like our whole nation is on a crazy cycle, right? And I, I thought of Isaiah 5.20 when it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And I feel like this kind of where we are in our nation, and yet we as believers are called to be what? Salt and light uh, to that. And so we as believers are... are Make sure, one, we don't get on the crazy cycle, and two, we kind of help bring others off the crazy cycle and, and get our focus back on God. Well, as we pick up today where we left off, you know, I thought of a 
play. Has anybody here ever been to a play? You know, like a theater play, okay? And so, you know, on the play you have, and I didn't get a chance to ask all my uh, thespian children, which I got a lot of, so they don't get it from me, but, you know, you have stage right and stage left, right, on the, on the theater. And, and so you, you read this, and it says, this happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had Jacob scarcely gone out of the presence of Isaac, that Esau comes in. So if you look on a stage, you see Jacob heading out stage right, and you see Esau coming in stage left with the stew that he had made. Now, it doesn't say this in there, but if you remember last week, um, Isaac was really surprised that, that Esau, I guess it was Jacob, had come in, that the hunt had only taken a really short period of time, right? He's like, wow, you already, you know, you already found the game and cleaned it. And, and I was talking to Mary Alice today. She was like, yeah, I went hunting one day by herself. Went hunting, shot a buck, and then dragged him down and threw him in the truck. I'm like, wow, what a, that's a real woman there, I tell you what. But anyway, so that, it still took time, right? And, uh, and so Isaac was like, well, you're done already. And, and of course, Jacob lied. But right on the heels of this, here comes Esau. And I'm like, well, even if Jacob hadn't have done it, it would have been a short time. So I kind of wonder, you know, with, did Esau go home and tell his two wives to, hey, go kill a goat and we're going to make it and we're going to fool him anyway. I don't know. That's just, you know, that's one of those things that when you get to heaven, you can ask those questions. You know, you can go into to the, the Genesis class and watch the movie and, you know, whatever. You know, it's a, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff when we get to heaven. That's, and, uh, but I digress. Anyway, so Esau comes in with his stew and, uh, and, and, and so he says, hey, pops, you know, here, I'm ready to, to uh, get my blessing. You know, here's your food. And I, I found this actually just to back up a little bit. But J. Vernon McGee, he says, somebody may ask whether venison tastes like lamb or goat. It surely does. He says, I remember several years ago when he was a pastor in Pasadena, he went deer hunting in Utah with one of the church folks and they got a deer so he says we invited the entire congregation for a dinner just to have a a time of good wholesome fellowship and a lot of fun we didn't quite have enough meat for all the people so we bought two lamb legs and cooked that along with the rest of the meat nobody could tell the difference and everyone said that the venison was good both of the meats taste very much alike so so it wasn't that big of a stretch to have them kill the, the lambs and take it to him as, and pass it off as venison. But regardless, Esau came to get his blessing. Now, Isaac was perplexed now, right? He's like, well, who was it? What's going on? And it says that he trembled exceedingly. And, and you might think when you read this, is he, why is he trembling? What is it? Is he angry? Is he angry that he got uh, deceived? Well, almost all the commentaries actually uh, say it wasn't trembling from anger or rage or anything, but he was trembling at the realization that all this time he had been acting against God's will. It's like, you know, you almost have a, when you have a close call, and it's like, 
man, that was close. Whether on the car, driving, or whatever, you have this close call. Well, that's what he was trembling about. He says, I just had this close call. I almost went, went against the will of God. And he must have realized or remembered or whatever that really Jacob was the one that was supposed to get his blessing. Yet all this time he had been pushing to get Esau to receive the blessing. See, and God will use different people, different circumstances, different situations to reveal to us when we're being disobedient. I mean, sometimes we can hold on to something, right? Sometimes we're, we're stubborn. Sometimes we want to be like a bull terrier and hold on to it, but we're being disobedient. But praise God, He doesn't let us stay in that state. He wants us to be close to Him. He will warn us and exhort us to turn back to Him. You know, you got to realize that God's waiting for you. God's waiting for you to come to Him. God's waiting for you to be close to Him. He wants to be close to you. But the thing is, we've got to move to Him. We've got to go to Him. And sometimes we get a bone in our teeth and we just won't let it go. And, and God has to show us, hey, look, you're, you're not heading in the right direction. Now, for a lot of us men, that person that does that is our wife. They have an uncanny ability to say, hey, look, you need to think about things. But, um, but anyway, so Isaac, I think, realizing his sin, realized just how close he was to being directly disobedient to God. And he kind of slowly starts moving back to God. He kind of slowly starts coming off that, that crazy cycle. See, and that's what God wants as His children. He wants us to move to Him, to be close to Him. And never, 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 and I've heard this before, never let your thought be, I am just not good enough to be close to God. You know what? You're right, you're not. But through God's righteousness, through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, through His death, burial, and resurrection, we are made righteous through Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can be close to God. We can be right there with Him. And no matter what you've done, God will forgive you. God loves you that much. He wants to be close to you. Jeremiah says that I have loved them with an everlasting love. And that's a big love, isn't it? No beginning, no end. You know, He loves. And so Isaac is moving back to God and he tells Esau, he says, look, he says, um, I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. So he could have changed it. He could have, you know, if you're going to be disobedient, you could go all the way in your disobedience and say, uh, never mind, here's a mulligan, uh, never mind, I'm going to bless you. But he didn't do that. Isaac realized, hey, I did wrong. The blessing stands. It's not going to change. And he did this really um, in spite of what I think is kind of like a temper tantrum from Esau. If you look at verse 34, Esau heard the words of his father and he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me also, my father. Yeah, he was upset, but I think he was upset more in the lines of a temper tantrum than he was upset at losing his birthright because as the word says, he didn't really care about that in the first place. 
He despised it, but he didn't get his way, so he was upset. And he threw this temper tantrum. And see, that's kind of a plague that we have in our society nowadays. I really think that people today, you know, they want to mock God. They want to go their own way, turn against God. But you know what else they want? They want God's blessing. They want God's blessing on their disobedience. It's not going to happen. God is not going to bless disobedience. But there's a lot of that arrogant. uh, It's like the arrogance of our time. Seeking God's blessing on our sin. God wants us to be close to him. God wants us to bless him. But he's not going to bless sin. Ever. He's not going to bless sin. And even though Isaac was now coming around slowly, Esau was at this point completely focused on himself. And he comes around and he says, you know what? They really named Jacob the right thing because two times he's stolen this from me. Now what's wrong with that statement? He sold it to him, right? He's like, hey, you know, you made made a great lentil stew there, uh, Jacob. And and he says, okay, well, I'll give you some, but you've got to sell me your birthright. And it was a legitimate business transaction that had occurred. And yet now Esau so focused on himself, he's like, oh, he stole it from me. Okay, and, and so Esau just can't break away from that. He, he, he's so self-absorbed. And again, he says, okay, Pops, don't you have any blessing for me? And you've got to think about what's at stake at these blessings, right? I mean, Isaac was not a poor person. If we read a couple of chapters ago about how God had blessed him and how he had all these herds and he had all these servants and all these wells, you know, for the wealth of the time. In fact, the people, the Philistines at Gerar came to him and said, hey, you got to go. You're more powerful than we are. So he's more powerful than this city state that's there. He was he was a wealthy person. So what was at stake was. All this wealth, all this money. And people do crazy things for money. And so here's Esau. He's begging him. He says, don't you have a blessing for me? What about for me? Well, sometimes you have to be careful what you ask for, right? You have to be careful what you ask for. And so in asking this blessing... This is what he got. He said, okay. He says, then Isaac, his father answered and said to him, behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be. Away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. You know, and so when we look at, there was... Uh, as, as the descendants of Jacob and the descendants of Esau, there was a lot of conflict with them. And several times the Israelites were over the Edomites, but they were, would have these um, 
They would break off the yoke. There would be this conflict. And so, so it really did not give a very great blessing. He said, look, you're going to be wandering the desert. You're going to be, uh, you have to live by the sword. You know, everything you get, you're going to have to uh, uh, scramble for. And so that was his blessing. And that was really a consequence of a lifetime of despising God, which is what Esau did. He despised God. Well, as a result, Esau hated Jacob and he plotted to kill him. But at this point, Esau never, he he still could because God's a God of grace and mercy. He could examine himself. You know, one time I heard this advice that if there is criticism, if someone criticizes you, your first reaction should be, is it true? You know, consider it, is it true? Now, a lot of times we all just get mad and whatever, but, you know, is it, is it true? But Esau's never examined himself. He's never looked at that. He's never sought God to look and see what role he had to play in, in all of this. See, it's just easier for Esau to blame Jacob than to examine himself. But we as believers need to be always examining ourselves. We need to be looking at ourselves in light of God's word. And so that's why we have that time, you know, beginning before church to examine ourselves. But Esau's not doing that. He's, he's angry and he's plotting to kill his brother. And he's trying to figure out, he says, okay, that when Isaac dies, you know, I'm going to kill him. Of course, God is in control and what happens? Isaac lives for another 40 years. So, you know, it's hard to stay mad for 40 years, I guess. And there will be, excuse me, over time, a reconciliation of sorts. But right now in the Isaac and Rebecca household, things are a little bit tenuous. Rebecca is told of Esau's desire to kill Jacob. And so she calls Jacob in and says, look, your, your brother's really upset. He wants to kill you. I've got this plan. To, I'm going to send you away to my brother's house and give him time to cool off. And she just makes it sound like just a matter of days. But let him cool off and then we'll get together and, and figure it out. And then she goes to Isaac and she tells him, hey, look, you know, I really don't want any more daughters-in-laws like the ones I got now. And so, uh, which I'm sure is actually true, right? I mean, it said those, those two girls caused Isaac and Rebecca nothing but grief. And it's like, so I really don't want Jacob marrying any of the local gals. Send her away. Send him away to my brother to get from our family, from our tribe, you know, the same faith. Which, of course, is what? Is what God desired anyway, right? And so... Um, Send him away, and, and that all sounds good to Isaac. He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll send him away to Laban. But let's look at, and that's kind of where we, we leave off. And, and if you notice the theme through all this is that, you know, really, God is in control. God is in control. And we can either go along with God and go things the easy way, or we can go against God and God's still going to have his way. 
But we can do it the hard way, right? We can do it the easy way or the hard way. But what, what else can we take away from this passage today? Well, you know, if we're in a position where we realize we've been acting outside of God's will, we need to repent and turn back to God. Examine ourselves. You know, is there something that we're kind of hanging on to that we need to let go of or whatever? And turn back and repent to God. He's Repent of our sins and turn to God. He's waiting for us. He wants us to be close to Him. Well, we need to realize too that we're in a time where people are mocking God. And we know God won't be mocked. We know that... Um, that, you know, eventually God's in control. But they're mocking God and seeking His blessing at the same time. And we, we need to be ready, willing, and able to point people away from their sin and to God. And, and really just say, look, this is, this is what you're doing, but this is what God desires. This is what God says. And turn them back to God. We also need to be careful we're not so focused on ourselves that we can't see God at work around us. We don't want to be an Esau. And we always, always, always have to keep our minds and our thoughts, our eyes focused on God. Remember, God always has a plan and God's plan will prevail. We can, like I said, do it the easy way and go with God or we can do it the hard way and try to do it ourselves and go our own way. And I've left a lot out about Jacob. And in by no means, if you remember from last time, Jacob isn't innocent in this at all. He was and did deceive his father for something that was already his. And he paid a price for it. This is out of the Moody commentary. Listen, this says, it says, although the narrator never explicitly condemned Jacob's deceitfulness, the events of Jacob's life show that by manipulating his father instead of trusting God, he brought suffering to himself and others. First, Jacob, a homebody, now had to flee his home. Second, as the favorite son of Rebekah, you know, he never saw his mother again. Never saw her again. Third, Jacob would be exploited by his uncle Laban, even as he had taken advantage of Esau. Fourth, even as his father's blindness was a veil to enable Jacob to deceive, so Laban used a veil over Leah's face to deceive Jacob. Note how both Isaac and Jacob say, they were deceived in verse in 2735. And then we'll read it again in verse chapter 29, verse 25. And fifthly, just as Jacob deceived his father using Esau's garments, so his sons would deceive him using Joseph's garments. And sixth, Jacob was miserable at the end of his life in contrast to both Abraham and Isaac who both appeared to have been satisfied with life when they died. So there's a price to be paid to going our own way as opposed to following God. So from that, let's follow God with our whole hearts and let our contentment and satisfaction be in Him. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... Uh, Father...
We can be content in you. Father, we can be satisfied in you. And Father, I pray that you show us, Lord God, that going your way is so much more better than going our own way, Lord God. Father, I pray that as we go forth this week, that Father, you help us to trust totally in you and totally in your word. And Father, that we can walk in the blessing and in the contentment and in the peace that you desire us to have. And Father, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we'll have our hymn of dedication. Lord Jesus, fill us with your spirit and send us out with confidence in your word to tell the world of your saving acts and to bring glory to your name in which we pray. Amen. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.